So this is weird. Think about it. This is weird that we are gathered together from all walks of life, from all different experiences during this day, from a bunch of different sites and local communities gathered to talk about Jesus, to talk about what we're doing in the name of Jesus and like taking our own time out from these weeks to say, this is an important time for us. And, and it begs the question, like what on earth are you all doing here? Why are you here? Why would anybody come to church? Why would anybody say, yes, this is a group of people that I want to participate with and identify with, especially given our history at the Meeting House, especially given the landscape of the church, the megachurch in particular in North America. I mean, you don't have to go far on Google to see the failure of church leaders, of church pastors, of church organizations. And I was even reading one article this week about like the three pillar large churches in Canada and the US that in the 90s were like these bastions of community and communication of a biblical authority and now are not here anymore. There's a fascinating story in the gospel in Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus, um, who came from a church background, like a Jewish synagogue temple, you you go there to learn Torah, to worship, to help the poor, um, and, and to serve the organizations and in turn serve God. Jesus taught at synagogue until he didn't. So the, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus takes his disciples, his earliest followers, who are likely like teenagers and early 20s, and he takes them to Caesarea Philippi. Now, does that ring a bell for anybody? So Caesarea Philippi was a commonly known like multi-idol worship, other God worship um, uh, location in the ancient Near East. And Jesus takes them to what some scholars would say, a particular point in a particular mountain, um, mountainous region and a particular rock cut in this mountainous region. And then he turns to his disciples at the foot of all of these altars, essentially the foot of these pagan churches, these churches that worship other gods. And he says, Okay, who are people saying that I am? And a few of them answer and they say, well, like you're, uh, you're a great teacher, you're a great speaker, you're, you're a prophet, you're a messenger of God. And then some scholars would say he turns to Peter, who let's remember Peter's history here and also his future that's about to happen. He says, well, who do you say? that I am. He could be just talking to Peter specifically, but I would contend that he's likely talking to the group, the body, this first little church together and says, who do you say that I am? Because that's what matters. That will provide your marching orders for what the future of this movement looks like. Mm. And you remember what Peter says or the group says? Well, we think that you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And what does Jesus say? Blasphemy, be gone with you. No, no, he says, What you have said is true. What you have said is true. And upon this rock, I will build my church. church. Upon this rock, I will build my ecclesia. Now, some scholars would say, and we've mentioned this in teaching before, that some scholars would say that the the word ecclesia was a commonly known phrase, uh, idea in the Roman and Greek world. It meant the gathering of the body, the, the gathering of people to make decisions. In particular, in Roman senatorial practice, it was like, well, if you need to ratify a decision in, in Congress or in Senate, you brought these people together, they were the idea people, and then you would make a decision and you would go for it. And Jesus is like, that's exactly exactly what the church is supposed to be like. And the church's mission, the reason that we are called together is to be an unstoppable force of good in the world. 
an unstoppable force of good in the world. Unless we think uh, that like, well, my goodness, like how messy have we made this? Like, look at how we've screwed this up. Let's remember the, the earliest followers of Jesus. The road wasn't just like up and to the right, like Matt mentioned last week. It was like this, like moments later, the majority of his disciples would betray him. Jesus hanging on a, a Roman um, torture device has very few of his earliest followers around him. And yet through struggle and suffering and learning, by the end of the story of these first disciples and apostles, they have, are all willing to give their lives, not just their livelihood, not just their time and energy, but their lives for this mission of being the ecclesia, the local church that is called together and then sent out for the good of the world. So brothers and sisters, what on earth are we doing here? What are we doing here? And what does it mean to be a part of a church? What do you think, Jen? Yeah, I don't know what we're doing here. Uh, I've asked myself the same question. So um, I guess we'll say, hello, Uh, I'm Jen. I'm the uh, East Toronto lead pastor for uh, just about two years to Mm -hmm. the day, which is exciting. Um, But I've been the kids pastor at the meeting house uh, before that. I've been interim in Hamilton, in Waterloo, in Perry Sound. I've been in Oakville Youth. So it's exciting that I'm getting to talk to um, lots of us today here in the room and also people watching online, the people on Discord who I became buddies with during the pandemic, didn't we all? Uh, So it's really exciting to be here. But yeah, like, what are we doing here? It's it's a real question. I mean, our church has been through it uh, the last little bit. And every time something else has broken, like I get a few text messages from people going like, so, so, but you're still there. Like, what are you, is now you're going to leave? Now you're going to leave? And I'm like, no, no. And like, I've, I've wrestled with that and I've talked to God about it, but I just keep coming back to like my church, East Toronto, love you guys. Um, and like God is there and stuff is happening. So I'm like, unless I feel God calling me to not be with these people, like I can't, I can't go like they're my people and things are happening. And then, you know, it's also helpful to not be inside of ourselves, right? Cause yes, our church has been through it. There's been a lot going on. But like back up three years ago, this like whole pandemic thing happened. And if you have friends that go to other churches, it's not like every other church is like, happy, Yay! everything's perfect. It's still 2017. Yeah. Like nobody is doing that. It's still bad. And then even as you read scripture, like you mentioned with Jesus and the disciples, and I've been reading through the Bible recap this year. So like reading Israel's story, I'm like, man, do they get stuff messed up bad? And then things just keep happening. We're going to look at that a little bit later. And I'm like, it's not like everything is always or whatever is up and to the right, like Matt said last week. And so all I know is that I'm called to like the church, the capital C church. And in this season, it happens to be the meeting house in East Toronto. And I am not called away from there. And I would say the community that we have there is not called away from there or else like they have every reason in the world to To leave. I always say, if you're still here, like you're here. You're really here. <laughs> you would have been gone by now because there have been very lots of reasons to like not and, and we're still here. And so I am still really excited about the future. I've been seeing God working and, um, you know, uncovering things that we've been having to do, which is hard and painful. But man, like that ground, the image that Matt used uh, last week of the sprout coming up, I'm like, it's just ready. Like it's fertile and there are things afoot. And I'm actually 
dare I say, I'm more excited about the future now than I would have been, say, three years ago. So I'd love to jump in right there because it's interesting. The meta narrative of scripture, I totally agree, of like, isn't, it's not up and to the right. It's this like windy, wavy path of Israel getting it wrong and then right and then wrong and then right. And that God is just the steady eddy throughout. Of He, he actually calls uh, the uh, the Israelites like his, his bride, that there's this marriage partnership, Jesus will refer to that later about the church as will Paul. Um, but like any relationship and like any marriage, there are deep highs and lows. One of the beautiful images of, especially the Old Testament, is like both celebrating and wailing, celebrating and wailing, celebrating and wailing, right? Mm. So celebrating the covenant, God, that we're a covenant and confessional community, right? That we believe these things in our bones and in our hearts, yep. but that we also don't ignore suffering. That there's yeah. also like, like, God, what is it that you're doing? And in any community, uh, at any second of any day, there's both, right? Yeah. That there's like celebrating, like, yeah, God is so good. And then right beside you is somebody being like, what are you on about? Like, this has been one of the worst weeks of my life. Yeah. And so this is the church of being like through it with each other through the highs and lows. I would love to just ask you that, Jen, in your experience, both through the last couple of years, but also in this current season, what have been some like dirt moments and what have been some sprout moments for you? Oh gosh. Well, the thing is, this came up in a home church I was in recently is you can't have the sprout without the dirt, yep. right? <laughs> so you need it for both things to happen. And so, yeah, it's, it's been really just fascinating. And it's hard because, you know, when you're a leader in a church, you want to, you know, call people to what God is doing and lead people forward, but you don't want to be like, well, yeah, that stuff really stuck, but just da, da, da. And depending on the person, personality types, own people's own stories that they're bringing into whatever situation we're currently walking through together. Um, you know, there are some people with our own church story that like a year ago, they were like ready to move on and like, can we please close this like sad chapter and like go. Yeah, let's be done. Um, and then there are other people that now where I don't know how many months it is and they're still like not ready. They still are like, we still need time to grieve and to sit. And I'm like, we're going to be here forever. Yeah. Like, and, and it's like, but all of it at the same time. So what is like the right amount of time? And I think I'm realizing uh, there isn't one. We just have to always be willing to hold both. So the really exciting things that God is doing and how he's moving in the midst of hurt and pain and people feeling, um, you know, all of the different uh, things and just holding that together and be like, hey, God, like what, what, like, what can we do with this? Yeah. And sometimes it's the same person. Like, it's not even the person sitting next to you. It's the same person. And like, you can say one sentence to them and they're like really excited about what God is doing in their life, in their family, in our church. And then the next sentence, they can be, you know, like weeping. Yeah. So it's, it can be both. Yep. Yeah. And what have been some wins that you've seen as being a fully local or moving towards being a really fully local, locally embedded, even geographically locally embedded uh, in East Toronto? What have been some wins in your community? Yeah, it's been really fun. So uh, my husband, Jordan, and I lived in Oakville for five years before becoming the lead pastor in East Toronto. One of the questions is like, well, are you going to move? And I'm like, well, like, of yeah, course, I'm going to be the pastor. And yeah. like, People are like, oh, Toronto things are all, but like Toronto is different. <laughs> and I didn't believe it till I moved there, but like transit and like the homeless crisis going on right now, like there's just a lot happening in that city. And so to be in it and to smell the smells and to, yeah. you know, have to navigate the TTC construction and all of that, it's been good to be just on the ground and really see what's happening to get to know um, 
people in our church and their neighbors to like go over to the backyard and like have some ice cream with their kids. We have a ton of kids in our church, so usually it involves ice cream. Um, It's just been good to see that. And like God has been doing things. So like a year ago, um, we took our Toronto youth ministry, which everybody went to like Young and Eglinton and there's a lot of travel and commute. And we're like, we're going to launch our own East End youth ministry. And that was a bit of a slog, but we have tons of kids now. Like we just, we have eight kids leaving grade five going into junior high this fall. And I'm like, good Lord, who's going to be their leader? <laughs> Cause the energy, seven of them are boys and it's like a whole thing. So like, that's exciting. Um, we have baptized uh, five people since coming back from the pandemic. Um, you know, children as young as uh, grade three, four, all the way up to somebody in their, uh, She's older. I don't want to say how old I think she is because she's probably watching. Um, but she, Lies. Right? Lies. she came into our church a little over a year ago and like basically found Jesus through the pandemic, through really hard times. Mm. And she's like started reading her Bible several times through. And she's like, I think I need to go to a church. And so she walked in and she's like, I think I need to be here. This what do spot. I do? Yeah. And like came every week, got baptized. Now she's in Kid Max every other week, just like in there. And I'm like, this is good. And she came in January of 2022. So if you want to do that math, that was an interesting time to come to our church for the first time. Yeah, it's like the (laughs) anti-commercial. And like, she's there and she loves it and she's awesome. And some of the folks that, you know, again, really hard stuff that we're working through, she wouldn't even know the name or the person if she ever saw them because she just, her journey started after all of that. Mm. And we have handfuls of people like that. And I know that's not just happening in East Toronto. Like we have... Um, a handful of uh, sites, churches, communities, whatever we're calling them these days, all around Ontario and our huge online community. And God is is doing things. Um, I got to go to Indonesia last year with Mennonite World Conference, which was pretty baller. And um, I was in Jakarta for a bit before flying home and met Jane, who maybe she's watching. She's a part of our Upper Zoom home church. Mm. Lives in Indonesia, had never met a meeting house person in in like human form before. And I got to hang out with her and I'm like, this is so cool. And I was asking her like, why are you still here? And so she was able to share with me, like she was really looking for that Jesus centric, like Jesus first church and that real authentic community. And she found it on the internet during the pandemic through like what our church is doing. So like she hasn't gone anywhere. So it's just been really cool to hear these stories, like in East Toronto and Indonesia and like everywhere in between. It's been really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's jump into the idea of the network then. Matt kind of uh, didn't introduce us to the idea. We've been hearing this here and across all of our sites is like, wh- where does it even structurally um, seem like God is uh, directing us and even pushing us, I would say. Uh, so talk to us as a local lead pastor, uh, same thing, the highs and lows, the peaks and valleys mm-hmm. of like what it means to be part of a network, uh, what you're processing, what you've heard from community, what you're excited about and what you're still like, Hmm, about yeah it's uh it's interesting i think uh you know coming to this church in 2016 and working in a multi-site church is a very different experience and i think we have a lot of folks in east toronto that have been a part of the meeting house for a long time even uptown days within the launch of downtown and east and this is more or less the only church experience they know of so to go from a location of a multi-site church to now becoming a local church is like, oh, that feels Big a shift. little scary. And does, but like I've, I've worked in several other churches that are fully local churches. So I'm like, oh no, guys, this will be fine. And actually it'll be cool because we're still a part of this network. So we're going to have a lot more resourcing and like be able to work together like we're doing here right now. Um, but we'll be able to be a little bit more nimble on the ground. So we're, 
like really excited to respond more specifically to what God is doing in our community. So like in our church on a Sunday morning, two thirds of our congregation are under the age of 16. So like, it's a party. I love it. I've, I've done youth and kids ministry the whole time until now. This is the first job that I've had. That's like a lead pastor, but I'm secretly still doing kids and youth because they're (laughs) everywhere and it's awesome. So like, clearly that's going to be a main focus of what we do. But like our friends in downtown aren't going to do that because they have very few kids. They have a lot more of a transient. They're much more on the ground, like in the neighborhood compassion wise. So now there's going to be more freedom for downtown to say, well, our focus is this. So we're going to staff. We're going to raise money. We're going to plan our our programs and things around that. And we're going to be having the party with all the kids running around everywhere because that's what our church is. And that's great because God has made each of us unique as individuals, not just as individual humans, but individual congregations. And each of us are called to be an Anabaptist presence, I believe, in the communities we find ourselves. But that's going to look a little different depending on the communities that you're in. Um, So that's what I'm I'm very excited about, um, is to be able to do that and just to respond, to be able to pray as a community and discern and say, God, where are you leading us? And then go do it. Yep. Like, we don't like, oh, we had to check with someone first, make sure we're allowed to like, we like that's kind of going away, which not that we're going to go off and be like crazy, but you know, it just being able to respond to that and really empower our leaders and by extension, our congregation to do that. It's going to take some work because again, we have to train ourselves, right? Because it's been interesting, even as we've talked about the network and rolled it out, there was a little bit of like, well, we have to wait and see what like the cross-regional team tells us and then we'll move. And I'm like, no, you don't get it. Like we're, <laughs> we're doing not that now. So they actually want us to help figure it out. So like the network development team that Matt mentioned last week, I'm like, we actually have to put a person there who will help figure out those answers because they don't want to like figure them all out and then just tell us we're actually going to be a part of working this out together. And so I think when you sort of uh, are able to explain it like that and also pray through it like that, um, it, it turns from like a bit of concern to more excitement. Um, And I always believe any church, any size, any financial realities, like if God put us somewhere in our case in East Toronto, like there's a reason why we're there and we have something to do. And like, why would he put our church there and just be like, yeah, but you're not going to make it though. Like have fun trying to figure it out. Like, no, like he's calling us to something. All the right people are there. All the right resources are there, financial and otherwise. So it's just a matter of us paying attention to what God's saying and then going and doing it. Um, So I'm super pumped to be able to, yeah, stretch those muscles and kind of help our people like learn those muscles. Cause it's like, you know, you, you work out and stuff, right? I, I don't, Sometimes. I need to, but like you have to train your muscles, right? You're not going to wake up and be like, I'm going to run a marathon. Like you have to get, you know, trained and going. Yep, so I think a there's process. a bit of training involved. Um, so I'm glad there's like a transition and it's not like starting September 1st, Buckle you up. better be in the network or else peace out. Like there is a bit of, uh, there's a lot of love and grace and people that really care about this church and want to help that transition go smoothly, help each other along. So I don't feel even like, you know, we had a staff meeting this week and I'm like, no, this is good. Like it feels like family and everyone is like wanting to see the common good and just asking the question, like, what does God have for us in this new season? Cause it is a death and a resurrection. Yeah. Like it, that, that is what's happening. And so, um, I feel very encouraged and excited about the next season, Yeah. which I, might sound weird and broken to some people, but I'm like, I, I don't know what to tell you, but that's what I feel. <laughs> yep. Love it. Well, it's, I mean, just such a privilege to be partnered with you in ministry, and I'm just really excited to to learn from you uh, this morning as we talk about, like, answering that question. So, who do we say that Jesus is, mm. and how are we the the church? So, I'm going to pass it over to you. Great, yeah, I can I can jump in absolutely. Thanks, Jimmy. 
Yeah, it's been good. I feel all like fired up. I'm ready to go and like take the mountain now and go. Um, yeah, so we were talking about a little bit earlier in the process of scripture and how, again, we can get inside of ourselves and think about the crises that we've been through or the COVID pandemic or whatever political thing you want to pick off the list lately and be like, man, things are, you know, crazy and not up and to the right. But as we look at scripture, New Testament, all the way back into the Old Testament, there's always been that kind of cycle and that death and resurrection and rebirth. So I think several things have happened to us over the last number of years. Um, COVID, of course, fundamentally shifted how all of society engages in church. I actually think in some ways it maybe sped up what was kind of already happening. Like there was a sense of like, oh, people aren't coming as often as regular. And then COVID's like, let's fast forward this a decade. And then all of a sudden we're like, shoot, no one cares about coming to church anymore. So it's been hard, right? Churches across Canada have seen sharp decline in attendance and engagement because of the pandemic. Um, some people now are even calling it the next reformation, which the interesting thing with that is you don't know if you're living in a reformation until after it's over. So I, I have no idea if that's what's happening, but it seems like every 500 years or so, something huge happens and it kind of changes the trajectory of the church. So perhaps the pandemic did that. I guess we'll find out once we're all gone. Um, <laughs> the, our kids will know if this was like a big deal or not. And then, of course, within our meeting house, you know, world, there were a few things that happened that were not ideal and added a second, oh my gosh, what are we going to do on top of what we were already dealing with with the pandemic? I so remember my first ever leaders meeting in the summer of 2021, and we thought the biggest, hardest thing we were going to do that year was how do we go back to church in COVID and like keep everybody healthy? And then I remember that next June, we're like, remember when we thought that was going to be the biggest thing we had to navigate this year? And we had no idea what was coming, right? So it's it's been a lot. And I think through all of that, that year of craziness, it exploded what we thought was safe and healthy and good. And there was some of that there for sure. But we also learned that some of it was not. And maybe it looked really good on top, but underneath there was stuff there that just wasn't that healthy. The structure and the thrust of our church has changed a lot in the last 18 months. And depending on what location you're a part of, uh, you might feel that more than others. There might be some locations that really feel the difference of like the pre-crisis versus now. Um, our online community, you guys didn't even exist before any of this. So you guys are like, woo, it's all, we're brand new and here we are. And then others might not notice much of anything. They come to church on Sunday, it's kind of the same. So we're all sort of navigating this differently. So despite both of these huge, hard things, the pandemic and our own crisis, God has been here, as I was sharing with Jimmy, right? Like in my community, East Toronto, we've been gathering every week. We've been baptizing people. We have tons of kids running around. Um, we've launched a youth ministry in the East End. Our volunteer teams are almost full, which is like insane and no one ever says that. And people have really found community through our home church and our huddles. We have seen good things happen people coming to faith in Jesus and growing in their faith and in what it means to follow him. And I know that there are similar, but very specific to the local community stories happening. They're happening in Oakville. They're happening in Hamilton and Waterloo. I shouldn't name them all. Ottawa, Perry Sound, love you guys. Like it's happening in all of the places. God is still working within the Meeting House Church family. And I don't think he's done with us yet. Can I get an amen to that? <laughs> amen. I don't think he's done yet. But I think what might be done, maybe, is the form that the Meeting House has been in since 2002. So if you listen to our story a few months ago, uh, I, this was kind of news to me, but the very first like, second location of the Meeting House was kind of an overflow room. 
because we couldn't all fit in the one space, right? And more or less, we've been in that model since then, even though we've been wanting more local autonomy, we've been wanting to be local choices on the ground. Um, but the systems were set up to do the, the multi-site thing. And so depending on you know, your experience with the Meeting House since 2002, whenever you came, your feelings on the fact that this is all changing might be mixed. Um, there's a painting I want to reference that I found on, uh, on Instagram from Scott the Painter. We've had him here at the Meeting House. And he posted this uh, right when we were first talking about this, like maybe needing to find new wineskins. And I thought it was fascinating because the quote he said is that the form may change, but if you're following Jesus, then what you're doing will never change. And so I just pictured like the meeting house up there and like, we're going through, we're changing. Like we're, we're not gonna look maybe the same. I, we already don't look the same as we did in say in 2019. And I think God is, is gonna move and do some things. But again, there is some joy in that maybe. And there's also some grief in that maybe. And I, I think that's all okay. Um, so as I was reflecting on how to walk my people through this conversation, my leaders through this conversation, I was driving to a leaders meeting and realized, of course, I had all the stuff ready to go. And I was like, I didn't come up with a devotional. Shoot. I, like, I'm the pastor. <laughs> what am I going to talk about? And I, I was reflecting as I was driving, and I remembered this passage in the book of Ezra. And Ezra is a super fun book. It's after the Israelites basically got so messed up that God's like, all right, you're out, like leave. <laughs> they got exile, like Babylon, off they go. And then eventually a remnant comes back and the temple is going to get rebuilt. And um, they're charged with doing that. And it wasn't like it was the first time. It wasn't like when Solomon built that first temple, it was a little bit different. And so I'd love to read for you this passage of scripture. It's in Ezra chapter three, uh, verses 10 to 13. We're gonna read this together. When the builders lay the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and with trumpets and the Levites with cymbals took their places to praise the Lord as prescribed by David, king of Israel. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord. He is good. His love towards Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. No one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard from far away. Fascinating. I'm like, yeah, just change out temple of Jerusalem with meeting house. And here we are, right? So I'm not sure in your local community and this community online, I don't know what the percentage of shouts of joy versus sounds of weeping are happening, right? Um, in some communities, there might be a higher percent of shouting for joy, and in others, there might be a lot of weeping going on. I think it's important to acknowledge that change is hard and feelings are normal. And like Matt said last week, before new life, there is death. There is death before resurrection, and death sucks. For any of us who have ever lost a loved one, um, it is not a fun time. It is really hard to process, and sometimes it feels completely unbearable. So it's really important to acknowledge that. But I also think it's important to remember that God works through his church always. His capital C church, I don't care what the name is, I don't care what it's called, God works through the church, whether it's through the good things that happen or whether it's through even the bad things that happen. 
I'm reminded of this passage in Isaiah, in Isaiah 43, 16 to 19. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. When I read this passage, I have so much hope because I know and I can see and I can feel that God is so here with us in this church and he is so doing a new thing. And I'm really, really excited about it. I'm pumped about it. I believe that there is a bright and beautiful future for the Meeting House East Toronto and for our online community and for all the local communities dotted across Southern Ontario that make up this church family, this church network, dare I say. I do think, as Matt mentioned last week, that the old wineskins aren't working anymore. And again, as I said before, maybe they weren't working 100% the best the last couple of years before the pandemic anyway. And all of what we've been through has just sped up that reality that something isn't quite working with where God is calling us next. So in a way, this sounds crazy to say, but in a way, I'm grateful that our circumstances, as hard and as tough as they have been, have forced our broader church to ask the question of why are we here? Why do we exist? How do we exist? Is the way we've existed, is that the best way to exist moving forward with where God is calling us? Because I think being faithful to what God has given us as a church is always the best thing. And this is a season in which we need to, we have to reassess, stand back and say, God, like, what are you doing? Where are you calling us? And please help us take the next step into that future with you together. So if you can't tell, I'm super excited. (laughs) So as we pause and reflect on this in our local communities, I know you're having conversations with your pastors, with your leadership teams. Um, And I just encourage you this week to ask that question, like, God, what what is it? Like, why are we still here? As Jimmy and I said at the beginning, because like, man, it could be so easy just to be like, nah, like like this isn't it. But like, we're here though. And God's spirit is inside of all of us. And we're called to be his church in the community that we find ourselves in. So what is that? And if we ask, we know from scripture that he will answer and he will speak to us. So with all that said, let's close by praying this benediction together. We leave this gathering knowing that Christ Jesus has made us his own. Take the fruits of our worship into the world, bringing joy to those who weep, welcome to the outcasts and comfort to those who grieve. God is doing a new thing. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen.